1: we have made it to Friday. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming online with you at supertalk.fm. Glad to be carrying you into the weekend. For some of you, we will be along until 5 o'clock when Ole Miss baseball coverage will begin as they've got Game 2 coming up tonight against Tennessee. And uh, for some of you, we'll carry you all the way until 6 o'clock and roll right into the weekend. Glad to have you along. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, Brian Scott Rippey. Thanks for joining us on this Friday afternoon. Sports Talk is brought to you by Mississippi Land Bank. Online at MSLandBank.com. Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. Get a piece of property and thinking about getting a tractor or a skid steer or a little mini excavator. You know, something that's just handy for all those projects you need on your land. Well, if you're in North Mississippi and you're thinking about any of those things, Mississippi Land Bank can help with the financing. See, they do finance land and crop loans and houses, but it's also smaller stuff. Like if you need to buy equipment to help maintain your property, Mississippi Land Bank can help. You can reach out to any of their branch locations in North Mississippi. Uh, You can find a phone number on their website, or you can find the branch locations and just stop by, see them, and talk to them about what it is that you need. Even if you're not in the market for land, you could probably stop by and have a cup of coffee and just visit with some good people. Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. Borky, we made it to Friday.
0: Feels like it took forever to get here, but we did.
1: Yeah. Kind of okay. Kind of a week that didn't maybe move as quickly as some. Hey, Daddy, you spent a little time at the ballpark last night.
2: I did. I saw something that resembled baseball. Did you? It resembled it. It, it. it had some differences.
1: It did have some differences, like the final score, which was a football score, not a baseball score.
2: Yeah, Mississippi I State was very sharp.
1: <laughs> you did see something different last night.
2: <laughs> oh, it's cold.
1: Well, I mean, the truth hurts sometimes. Twenty-four to seven, the final Mississippi State last night over South Carolina in Game One. Of the final weekend of the regular season, different story. Rippy in Knoxville. You were not at the ballpark. Seven to nothing. Tennessee beats Ole Miss last night. Complete game from the starter for Tennessee, and it really was never close.
3: No, Ole Miss put one runner in scoring position. Stallings threw a complete game in 103 pitches. That's kind of how he pitches. Like, he doesn't generate a lot of swings and misses, and he doesn't, like, kill you with velocity, but good Lord. That's, I think 17 ground ball outs. I think they put, like, five balls total in the air.
1: Wow. And one of them was the final out of the game. Sure. Deep fly ball to left riding. center field wall. Oh, okay.
3: yeah. I was riding at that point. I just knew it ended. Um, <laughs> I, I, I watched the game, but I, I had my head down writing at that point trying to get something out. But, it, uh, yeah, I mean... Very lifeless effort. Uh, Will Etheridge had one of the stranger lines you'll see. He made it seven innings, but gave up six runs on ten hits. Um, yeah, just very buddy, lethargic,
2: buddy. I don't want to hear you talk about strange pitching lines. All right, <laughs> until you see what I had to go through last night.
3: Well, yeah, but my point being is, you never see a, you don't rarely see a guy give up six runs. I think seven runs total, six earned, and make it seven innings. Like that's not something you see every day of the week.
2: I'll grant you all that, but what you definitely don't see every day is four innings pitched, 12 hits, 11 runs, 10 earned.
3: Yeah, how many carries did Colin Hill have? <laughs> <laughs>
2: not enough. Not not as many as he should have.
3: Yeah,
1: so uh, some some themes continue. We'll look at scores from the rest of the SEC this afternoon. Southern Miss lost a game at home to UAB last night, and uh, it is becoming more and more clear but Southern Miss is likely going to have to win the Conference USA Tournament to earn a regional bid this season. PGA Championship is rolling along, and so is Brooks Kepka. After his course record 63 yesterday, he's 3-under on his round today through nine holes, has a five-shot lead over Jordan Spieth. Hey, remember when Jordan Spieth used to be a good golfer? He's kind of playing like one this weekend. Shot a 1-under 69 in the first round at this weekend the start going into the weekend and followed it up with a 4 under66 today. He's five under par and tied for second with Tommy Fleetwood. Problem is Kepka's a robot, a little bit of a robot and he has it on autopilot lock, missile lock, whatever you want to call it
3: right now. So I've decided he's just a troll. He just likes to troll the entire field like he likes he wants to beat the hell out of you by seven eight shots in the most boring fashion possible to be on brand. And he wants you to know that he doesn't care at all. He just wants to get off the course. So,
1: honesty time, do you think he actually does care?
3: I think a little bit of it's a, of it's a shtick, but I don't think he likes golf nearly as much as your average PGA Tour player. He treats uh, a guy like, like Daniel,
2: job, it seems. Like, you know, I mean, I like my job, but at the end of the day, it's work, right? So I come to work, and I do my job, and I'm I'm anxious to get off of work. That's how he seems to be treating golf.
3: Well, I he would he like this himself, job more he- if I got paid in Kepka's bracket. <laughs> You're right about
0: that. <laughs> <laughs> he said he's, he said himself that he would have rather been a baseball player. He wanted to play college and professional baseball, and golf was just something that he did because he knew he was going to be good at it.
3: So I wonder if that's where his chip comes from. Like That would be something worth diving into. It's like chasing something that he's never actually going to get. Hmm.
1: All right, Daniel Berger's probably a guy that likes golf, especially when he's sitting there tied for fourth at the PGA Championship. He's four under. Dustin Johnson is four under. Adam Scott, Ricky Fowler, both at three under par. Uh, it's not, you know, it, it's not a star-studded leaderboard, uh, in the way that we expect sometimes, but there are really good names that are within the top ten of the golf tournament. The problem is, everybody's, like, looking way up to the top of the hill to see where Brooks Kepka is, five shots clear of everybody, and it doesn't feel like the wheels are going to just come off on the back nine today.
3: No, but speaking of wheels, we need Daly to take one for the team and go like Happy Gilmore style and ram him. like with the. Uh... What, you want Brooks Koepka not to win? I'd, uh, I'd like him to come back to earth. I'd like it to be an interesting weekend, which is not shaping up to be long way to go, but that would be entertaining. You can't tell me that.
1: Tiger Woods had an entertaining front nine today. He bogeyed number two. He birdied at number six. He bogeyed seven, and he birdied nine. All in all, to shoot an even par 35 on the front, he has made the turn to the back. And is currently plus two for the tournament. Cut line looking like it is going to be plus three. So if you're plus three or better, you are going to make the weekend. If you are plus four or worse, uh, you're probably going to pack it up. And uh, well, I mean, if you were Brooks to you might not watch it on TV. Maybe some of these guys that don't make the cut will watch the uh, third and fourth rounds this weekend. Um, so is the
2: PGA there a Championship. Beth Page Black. Say again? Is there a sizzler near Bethpage Black?
3: I caught that joke. Richard has no idea. I don't,
0: oh, know on, if, Richard.
3: I don't know if Farmingdale, New York's got a sizzler. Sorry. Isn't that wild, though, that the cut's three over and Kepka's ten under with ten holes to play? Thirteen
1: um, shots clear of the cut line.
3: Yeah, that's uh. That's like getting it done. There is a guy who I have, can honestly say, I like to think I know most of the players in sync. There's a guy at 200 that I have never heard of. Jazz, do you see what I'm talking about? The last name is about 15 letters.
0: Okay, uh, I'm going I'm to try to do this. Jane
3: Watt. No, it's Jazz. Oh, oh I see. Go ahead. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Jane Watt and, and Nod. Jane Washington, Watt go and with, Nod. Let's go with... Jenna Watanabe,
1: and and Watanabe didn't He is he's not from North Mississippi. He's not from South Mississippi either. What
0: flag is that? I have no idea.
3: Well, it's not the Mississippi state flag, to Richard's point. <laughs>
1: no, <laughs> no. Who no, is, who is it this is? guy? I, I well, my guess is, is that.
3: He's an Asian tour player. If I had to, if like, I don't know what country that is, but like, usually most of the guys from Europe and the United States, you can kind of like, you've at least seen the name on a leaderboard. But a lot of these guys you could see from like, like, most of these guys that come out of nowhere is like Asian tour, Latin America tour, something like that. Oh my gosh, I'm an
0: idiot. That's Thailand.
1: Yeah, he's a, a, a Thai professional who plays on the Asian and European tours, turned pro in December of 2010, and he's currently the number 72 player in the world. Good on him. You you learned something today. And not to bury the lead, but Mississippi State's got a new quarterback on the roster. Yeah. Tommy Stevens has transferred from Penn State, entered the portal in Happy Valley, and he came out of the other side of the transfer portal in Starkville, Mississippi.
2: That he is, and now I I will be completely shocked if he is not the starting quarterback when State heads to New Orleans to play Louisiana.
1: Well that some, easy? Sometimes you just kinda answer the question before I can even ask it, hey Dad, because my question was going to be when Mississippi State heads to New Orleans for the season opener, will Tommy Stevens be the starter?
2: We're in a groove right now, Richard. We might finish each other's Thoughts? Ah, that's good enough.
0: Sentences? Yes yeah, Yes. You don't grad transfer to not be the starter.
1: Generally speaking, I mean, you, you transfer with that being the idea, but uh, ask Florida and Notre Dame how that worked out a couple of years ago. Yeah. If this doesn't work out, there might be a little bit of trouble. Sports Talk Mississippi, just getting started with you in the Renaissance Bank studio. Renaissance Bank, understanding you... Let's go to Starkville next and take a look at what happened last night in game number one of the final weekend of the regular season for the Bulldogs and the Gamecocks. That's up next. Borky's going full on football analogies here. I'm going to read exactly what it says. But first, let's start with football where Mississippi State was able to beat South Carolina behind a really strong performance from Bob Shoop's defense. Kylan Hill and company controlled the clock for an easy 24-7 victory. Okay, enough of uh, enough of that. 24 to 7, the final last night, Mississippi State improves to 44 and 10 on the year with a win over South Carolina. Gamecocks are now 27 and 6. So the inning by inning Mississippi State obviously batted only 8 times in the game. Here's the inning by inning scoring. 0 0 four, 5 7 2 1 five. Yeah. Crooked numbers abound. Yeah. And on a night, hey dad, where Jake Mangum, interesting line, went one for six with no walks but scored four runs. Is that fielder's choices or errors that he reached on?
2: A little of both, a little of everything, man. It's like a potpourri of crap from South Carolina. They are awful. Top that two hitters the in the order. That is last the worst SEC baseball team I've ever seen. Ever. Really? Yeah, I, I, I'm excited to see the next two games.
3: I don't know, man. Alabama's run a couple of teams out there that makes you think you're watching a different sport.
2: <laughs> That's what I was watching last night.
3: Fair enough. Top two hitters in the lineup, Jake Mangum and Jordan Westberg, combined
1: to go two for 11. And yet, Mississippi State puts 24 on the board. Big night for Tanner Allen. Five for five, three runs driven in, scored four runs himself. Foskey was two for four. Rowdy Jordan, three for six with three runs driven in. Dustin Skelton, one for four, but had four ribbies. That was the Grand Slam, right? Grand Slam, yeah. Uh, tough night for Luke Hancock. On a night when your team gets 22 hits, you go 0 for 5. Eesh.
2: Yeah, and he had, he had been State's hottest hitter coming into this game. and uh, we, we talked about him on the podcast. I think we talked about him here on the show a little bit. And he went out there, gets a start, and goes 0 for 5. So, so a tough night for him. But he was literally the only Bulldog who had a tough night.
1: Who is Jordan that was at third base that replaced Marshall Gilbert?
2: Landon Jordan.
1: Landon Jordan comes off the bench to go 3 for 3. With a home run. Drives in a couple of runs.
0: Yeah.
1: Josh Hatcher goes 2 for 3 with three runs scored last night. And a home run. From, from a pitching standpoint, this has got Ethan Small as throwing on Wednesday and Hoover written all over it. Five innings, three hits, two earned runs, three walks, seven strikeouts. face twenty batters.
2: Yeah, another situation sort of similar to what happened last weekend in Ole Miss, but different circumstances. Obviously, it wasn't the weather, but just the delay of sitting in the uh, the dugout for sixteen runs to be scored over three innings. They just decided at that point, game is in hand. What's the point? And we'll we'll make a move. And you, you saw some names you haven't really seen much of in SEC play, like Eric Sarantola and Spencer Price and Bryce Brock finishing the game up. Brock got hammered a little bit there at the end, but it, I mean it was twenty four to three going into that inning, so who cared? Um, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, small. I, I don't. I don't know if I agree with you, Richard. I don't know that they'll throw small on Wednesday or not. Okay. But. But that said, you know, and he wasn't sharp early. It was 2 nothing South Carolina going into the bottom of the third. They touched him for three doubles in the first three innings. He put a couple of guys on base from walks, which, you, as you, we've talked about, he just rarely, rarely does. He was not very sharp in the first three innings of the game, but he figured it out in the final two innings, retired the last seven that he faced. And, of course, it's, a, it's easy to pitch with not a lot of pressure when your team is putting up those crooked numbers, like you said
1: for the year now Ethan Small is sitting on 139 strikeouts and 22 walks. That strikeout to walk ratio will uh, that that dog will hunt.
2: Yes, yes it will. So so, so after mean-
1: Ethan Small an inning each from Riley Self, Eric Sarentola, Spencer Price and Bryce Brock to uh, to finish up the ball game. Uh, Cam Tringali started the game for South Carolina four innings, eight hits, nine runs, six earned. Middle pitcher, worked no percentage of an inning, but gave up four earned runs. Yeah, he got the, the, the slam. And then uh, Ganopoulos, mm-hmm. third guy used for South Carolina, he was the sacrificial lamb. They said, you're going to finish this game. Go get him, kid. 12 they hits,
2: sh-
1: 11 runs, 10 earned, three home runs allowed, and four innings of work. Attaboy. But
2: in their substitutions, he got an at-bat and was one for two with an RBI, so shout out to him.
1: Yeah, way to help the team. Holy cow. I mean,
2: just wow. I've never totally felt sorry for anybody State was playing in baseball until last night. Because South Carolina had no chance. No chance whatsoever. State was just – it could have been worse. I mean, State pulled the starters early in the game and got a lot of guys in. You know, they got Hayden Jones, Landon Jordan – Cumbus got in. He had a three-run home run. Halter got to come in and play. I mean, they, and 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 there was just nothing South Carolina could do. They didn't even look like an SEC team out there. I mean, in reality, teams like Valley who have come to New Noble and were more competitive than than South Carolina was last night. Now that said, they are, you know, uh, Lamont. I'm sorry, uh, Landon Jordan told us after the game. He said, you know, Coach Lamont has said in the locker room, they're here to get one. Don't give it to them. So my guess is, you know. State will reset, and and you know they're they're still sort of fighting for the uh, the SEC West championship. It could still happen. It's, it's unlikely, you know, with A and M. I don't think they're going to take two from Arkansas,
1: but it yeah, could the, happen. the route to that happening is Texas A and M beats Arkansas twice, and Mississippi State sweeps South Carolina because Arkansas right. got a win last night over A and M in the West. You got Arkansas on top of the standings at twenty and eight, followed by Mississippi State one game back. LSU moves in front of Ole Miss with their win over Auburn last night. They're now sixteen and twelve. Ole Miss falls to 15 and 13 with the loss in Knoxville, but because Texas A&M lost, they don't make up any ground. Auburn's 13 and 15. Alabama is seven and 21. In the East, you've got Vandy at 21 and seven, Georgia at 19 and nine. So Mississippi State and Georgia currently have the same record and are fighting each other for the three seed in the tournament. Vanderbilt likely to be the number one overall seed. They took two of three from Arkansas. So barring Vandy losing the next two from Kentucky, and Arkansas sweeping Texas A&M, Vandy will be the one seed. Arkansas, if they hold on to the West, will be the two seed. If Mississippi State and Georgia finish with the same record, have you done the tiebreaker math? Well, State they swept didn't.
2: Georgia. So.
1: Okay, they swept Georgia. So Mississippi State would be the three seed. We would be the three. If they finish tied with Georgia.
2: Nine thirty a.m. first pitch. I am going like, for that.
3: Y- you like that? Did you ask oh, K D if he's done the math on that? A- as if there was. Any question?
2: There, there wasn't. Well, a there wasn't any math to do because there was the head to head. But B, I don't do the whole. I, I'm I, me and Rippy are all the same on the math.
3: I thought you were testing his math skills. See if he can get to three to zero. Yeah. Okay. Oh, <laughs> um, yeah, maybe. So, so as it stands
1: right now, it would be Vandy as the one seed, Arkansas as the two, Mississippi State as the three, Georgia as the four. LSU has slid temporarily into the 5 spot, but they've got to finish a game clear of Ole Miss uh, because Ole Miss took 2 of 3 from LSU and Baton Rouge. Ole Miss currently is the 6th seed, and then after that, we don't really care that much, right? A&M would be the 7, and I haven't done the math on the rest of it. Florida gets a win against Missouri last night. We'll look at the rest of the results coming up in uh, in just a little bit. Um So, that's uh, kind of what you're dealing with right now. Ole Miss is going to be playing on Tuesday. Mississippi State is not going to be playing on Tuesday. Those things we know for sure at this point.
2: Those are things that are true.
1: Those are things that are true. So, nobody can catch Mississippi State for that third or fourth slot in the SEC tournament. Nobody can catch Georgia or Vanderbilt or Arkansas. So, the top four are lots. It's just just the order in which one through four will be placed.
2: Absolutely, and my guess is, and the smart money would be Vandy, Arkansas State, Georgia is how that would be seated.
1: Yeah, yeah, that feels like what it's going to going to look like when it's all said and done. And we are no closer to deciding who the number twelve seed is going to be. South Carolina, Kentucky, and Alabama all lose last night to fall to seven and twenty one in the SEC. Should we shorten the tournament? Um,
0: I mean, what's the point of, ju- of cutting just two teams?
1: Well, there was a big debate a few years ago when they went from 8 to 12, because you, had, all, you know, they had only 12 SEC teams, and then when they added two more, they decided to keep it at 12 from a format standpoint. There's been discussion about that, but the, the argument was coaches thought, hey, it's real easy for the NCAA selection committee to say they didn't even make their conference tournament, they're not going to be in the field of 64 versus if you make the conference tournament, at least you give yourself a chance if you're a bubble team or if you're bubble out going into it.
3: They've shortened it a little bit, too. The semis used to be double elimination as well. They got rid of that. That was maybe the most ridiculous part of the tournament. The most ridiculous part? Yeah. You, you think 12 teams is the most ridiculous part? No, no, I don't have a problem with 12. It's just between that, like the rain delays, the... Yeah, I, would, I guess I'd agree with you.
1: What was it, the year that Ole Miss lost to Mississippi State in the championship game? So what was that, 2005? 2005, yeah. Ole Miss had to fight its way back through the loser's bracket, and on semifinal Saturday had to beat Florida twice. <laughs> and then had to turn around and try and win again, and Mississippi State won... Uh, that game. That is certainly a difficult road to, uh, to navigate. We'll look at what happened in Knoxville and we'll talk about some of the bigger picture stuff that goes along with Ole Miss' loss to Tennessee last night 7 to nothing. the Vols got the victory we got more coming up with you at Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank Studio You can text the show on the C Spire text line 601-879-4395 601-879-4395 C Spire, customer inspired Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming online at supertalk.fm. We are glad to have you along this afternoon. We talked about Mississippi State's win last night over the South Carolina Gamecocks. Ole Miss was on the road in Knoxville facing Tennessee in game one of a three-game series. We've talked about opportunity that existed for Ole Miss despite a recent skid for the Ole Miss baseball team. Rebels had lost four going into last night's game in a row. There was still kind of an outside, long-shot chance for Ole Miss to play themselves certainly comfortably into a two-seed and maybe even into a hosting spot. But it was going to take a series win, or it was going to take a sweep and some big-time work at the SEC tournament. I don't know if there's anything that happened in Knoxville last night that gave anybody any hope that Ole Miss was about to put together the type of run that might allow them to kind of uh, slide back into that conversation. Tennessee jumped out to a one to nothing lead with a run in the bottom of the first inning. They put four runs on the board in the bottom of the fifth. Added two insurance runs in the bottom of the eighth and won seven to nothing. Seven runs, thirteen hits, and an error for the Vols. No runs, four hits, and one error for Ole Miss last night. Two of the four hits for the Rebels belonged to Cole Zabowski in the ball game. After reaching base safely in 40 consecutive games, Gray Kessinger has now gone back-to-back games without reaching base safely. The top five in the order for Ole Miss went a combined 0 for 19 Cooper Johnson had a hit. Kevin Graham had a hit. And that is it. And, Rippy, you talked about it a second ago. This Ole Miss team... Not only did they not get hits and did they not get runs, they really didn't have competitive at bats.
3: No, they did not. Um, yeah, I mean it was just very lethargic all around. I mean the the I mean the game took two hours and fifteen minutes. I I, I don't uh, that might be as good a good of a summarization of this whole deal as as anything, to be honest. But. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I mean, it just kind of is what it is at this point. Like, I don't really necessarily like using that phrase, but very well, very uninspired. To, to drive home the point
1: of, of no competitive at bats, Ole Miss went three up, three down in the first. They got a two out base hit from Cole Zabowski and sent four men to the plate in the second. They went three up, three down in the third, three up, three down in the fourth, a one out single from Olenek in the fifth inning. In the sixth inning, three up, three down. In
3: the seventh inning, I think that was uh, wasn't that Zabowski? What did I say? Oh, because Zabowski, I uh, was just I, another I'm sorry. way yeah, to sum so it up. Zabowski was the only one with a hit through seven innings.
1: Yeah, okay. So in the fifth inning, Zabowski got a one-out single after Olenek flew out to start the inning. Sixth inning, Ole Miss goes three up, three down. In the seventh inning, Dillard reached on an error. Olenek reached on a fielder's choice. And then you had a ground out to end the inning. In the eighth inning, Kevin Graham got a base hit, so four players came to the plate, and you had a double play in the inning. And in the ninth inning, Ole Miss went three up, three down.
3: Best chance to score was when they had corners now out in the eighth, um, but Justin Bench pinch hit for Jacob Adams, I believe, grounded into a double play, and Cooper Johnson, for whatever reason, did not go home. On the double play. Ball hit
1: right at the bag. Third baseman kind of grabbed it there, and he froze and went back to the bag. And then when the third baseman oh. let it go for a 5-4-3 double play, he stayed put.
3: I didn't, I mean, looking at the replay, though, it, to me, it didn't even look like the, the third baseman froze much because it's 7 to nothing. Like, Tennessee's gladly trading two outs for a run there. You yeah. just got to go. No, I, I agree with you on that. But, I mean, kind of moot because it would have been 7-1 to one versus 7 to nothing. But, yeah, just a mm-hmm. tough night all around. Stallings had, a, I believe, a... Almost a 10-plus ERA in his last three starts going in. To his credit, he was pretty good last night. He was a lot better than... I, I didn't watch any of the last three outings, admittedly, but like he was much sharper than a guy with that kind of numbers in the last three. But at the same time, Ole Miss didn't have very competitive at-bats against him at all. None.
1: I mean, it was ground ball after ground ball after ground ball on the infield, and none of them were hit all that sharply. Garrett Stallings goes nine innings, four hits, does not allow a run, seven strikeouts, did not walk a batter. He faced 31 batters in the game, four above the minimum, and he did all of that on 103 pitches.
3: That's a masterpiece. Will
1: Etheridge, seven innings, ten hits, six runs, five earned, three strikeouts, no walks. Taylor Broadway out of the bullpen, an inning of relief, three hits, and one earned run in the game as well so those are kind of the numbers in the game but let's go to the bigger borky let's go to the conversation that you and i had earlier today because there are a lot of people that would throw out the word quit
0: yeah and even i did and you quickly corrected me rightfully so that they're not laying down their bats and not putting on their uniforms and going out there and trying but um mailed it in seems a little bit more appropriate
1: yeah, and, and maybe that's just semantics.
3: Well, I think there's a difference between the kind of a lack of fight and quitting, and you're in that middle ground in between the two right now.
1: Yeah. Um, you, you still put on your uniform. You still go to the ballpark. Guys are trying to throw strikes when they're on the mound. You're taking swings, and you would like to get a base hit. But the competitive at-bats adva- don't exist. And here's the thing that that's difficult, I think, to kind of quantify Ole Miss hitters against John Dox Axis and Asa Lacey. Two of the best pitchers you'll see in the SEC. They didn't have a whole lot of production against those guys, but they just competed their rear ends off to the point of knocking them out of the game and getting to somebody else that maybe you could get to. There was no competitiveness by anybody. In the Ole miss lineup last night, outside of Cole Zabowski, who's got two hits.
3: Um well, speaking of lineups, the lineup for tonight just came out, and it is uh It is something. Dillard leading off. Okay. Which you wanted to see two months ago. Zabowski DH'ing in the six-hole. Cockrell in right field, Elko at first base, Justin Bench at second base.
0: Explain to me in and- why the best hitter on the team hits in the six hole is there a reason for that other than that's just how it's been all season long
3: you bat him in the three hole you get 36 more bats over a season but i guess who needs him i i, I don't uh, i actually i don't have an explanation for that I, I just kind of how it's been all season long um so
1: dillard leading off
3: there's playing a lot left lot going field. on with this lineup
1: dillard leading off playing left Olenek batting second playing center kessinger hitting in the three hole playing short Keenan batting cleanup, playing third. Cooper Johnson catching, batting fifth. Zabowski DHing in the sixth hole. Chase Cockrell hitting seventh and playing right field and hasn't played in nearly a month. Outside of maybe a pinch hit somewhere along the way. Tim Elko getting the start at first base and batting eighth. And Justin Bench batting ninth and playing second base. With Doug Nikhazy on the mound. That's the first time you've had that lineup this year.
3: Uh yes, parts you like, parts a little bit head scratching, but it's different. I mean, it, it it would be one thing to keep running the same thing out there over and over. Well, and over
1: Tennessee's again. throwing a left-hander tonight. Sure,
3: but like that's more than that. Like, there's a lot going on in that one. I mean, it, when's the last time you see? I was I, I, so about to, sending a message. Maybe to some degree, but I mean, I I would have to go back and look it up. When's the last time Tim Elkos drawn a start? It's been a while. It's been a while.
1: This has—it's got a feeling of the end is near. I mean, I—I'll I, I just, just say it how it is. And and, and certainly, it, it stokes the debate of you know what Mike Bianco has done with this program versus what's right now and what's reasonable and how are people going to look at it nationally I don't think you can care about how people are going to look at it nationally but this thing has gone south fast but this is not a new conversation like the conversation of this season for Ole Miss has been what happens in June is what matters but that's oversimplifying it because you have to put yourself in position in the regular season to give yourself a chance to have something good happen in June. And two and a half weeks ago, almost had done that.
3: Yeah, but if you're not a host, it just kind of is what it is at this point. Now it doesn't really doesn't matter until you get to the NCAA tournament. That's kind of the strange dynamic this season brought with it. That like while the success You don't want to say it doesn't matter, but it puts you in good position and and leaves you playing baseball in Jude in Oxford and in better position. If you're not going to host, then as long as you're not missing the tournament, the kind of in-between is a bit irrelevant. Well, but
1: is that scenario on the table now? Ole Miss's RPI has fallen again to 30, which 30 is a fine RPI. But if the Rebels were to lose the next two against
3: Tennessee... They'd still get in as a three seed. I think there were other years where they wouldn't, but I think this year the field's too weak. I think they'd still get in losing If out.
1: they lose the next two to Tennessee and they lose on Tuesday in the SEC tournament, they will be 15-17 and 17 against SEC teams with an RPI of 40.
3: They'd be sweating it, but if you look at like like who they're competing with, I guess, to get in, I think they'd still be in. I get your point, and I think in most years it would be a lot closer. But And I don't know this for sure, but it, it looks like they would still get in. But, I mean, not an ideal situation to be in.
1: What else happened last night in the SEC? We'll take a look at that next when we come back in the Renaissance Bank studio. Renaissance Bank, understanding you. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming online at supertalk.fm. Friday afternoon, carrying you into the weekend. We've looked closely at Mississippi State's win over South Carolina at Ole Miss's loss to the Tennessee Volunteers. What about the rest of the league? When you look around at what happened last night, some interesting results. Um, kind of some strange games. They had a weather delay. Vanderbilt led Kentucky nine to nothing, nine zip. You remember, we talked to Eric Sorensen yesterday. Hey, Dad, and he threw out the idea that yeah, you know, maybe Vandy's a team that they're not entirely engaged because they don't have that much to play for. Problem is they're yes. good. So they're they're up nine to nothing. And then they gave up ten unanswered. They trail ten to nine. They have about a two hour weather delay in Lexington, come back, and Vandy scores six unanswered and wins sixteen to ten. They're good.
2: It's a good baseball team. I mean, at 10-9, you think, okay. Maybe Vandy, sort of not the same thing with South Carolina. But maybe they're just thinking, okay, you know, let's let's come back and win the series tomorrow. But no, none of that. Vandy, they're a team that's locked in right now, and then that's why they're they're probably the best, if not the best, one of the top two or three teams in the country in terms of having a legitimate chances, as, as Aaron Fit and Kendall Rogers have been saying, that to win the national championship.
1: A little bit of an interesting pitching line for Drake Fellows, the starter last night for Vanderbilt. He goes five and two-thirds, gives up seven hits and five earned runs with three walks and just six strikeouts in the game. Those are not exactly the numbers uh, that you expect to see from Drake Fellows, but that's what happened Vanderbilt uh still ultimately got the uh got the win in the ball game. Arkansas 7 to 3 over Texas A&M last night. Razorbacks stay a game in front of Mississippi State. They scored 3 early top of the 3rd inning to go at 3 nothing. A&M got a couple of runs in the 4th. Arkansas added to their lead in the 5th and the 6th. Texas A&M scratched for a run late in the bottom of the 8th. 7 to 3 was the uh was the final last night. Isaiah Campbell 6 inning, 6 hits, 2 runs, 1 earned, 6 strikeouts and a walk. It feels like Isaiah Campbell doesn't, like, scare you to death. Like, everybody knows that he's good. But then you look at his pitching line, and it's almost the same every week. His ERA is 2.5, and that's pretty much what he does. He scatters five or six hits, gives up a couple of runs, maybe one of them's earned, maybe not, and just goes out and wins and wins and wins and
2: wins. Everything you want out of a Friday night guy. Uh,
1: Just just solid. Texas A&M... Did not start Doxakis or Asa Lacey. Lacy is not available this weekend. They'll go with John Doxakis tonight and then Christian Roa in game three tomorrow. Uh, Georgia, a team that's trying to stay in that national seed spot. Most people think they've got one locked up at this point. 40 and 14 overall now after a win 9 to 4 last night over Alabama. Um, and Georgia still got a, what uh, Tony Losey and Emerson Hancock to throw. Over the next two days, um, I think you've got Hancock against uh, Finerty in the final game of the series. So that will be tomorrow. Uh, have you just at this point, Haided, chalked up that you caught George on a bad weekend? And Mississippi State pretty way, good, right?
2: I mean, the the numbers uh, bear that out. That Georgia has beaten beaten almost every other team they've played. They were the they took a series from Vanderbilt earlier this year. You know, and obviously not having Hancock that weekend hurt them, but yeah, I mean, there's no other way to look at it. I would think that State just got Georgia on a good weekend, but at the same time, State's a good team, and and they took advantage of that situation.
1: LSU beats Auburn seven to one. Remember a couple of weeks ago when we said LSU was dead? Well, they lost the backside of the series to Ole Miss. They lost the first two games of the series at Arkansas. Antoine Duplantis had that huge home run in game three. They beat Arkansas three to two last week. And now they come back and they beat Auburn seven to one. And you're continuing to hear people say, you know, I still think LSU is going to host. I still think LSU is going to host. Well, they may because they're sitting at number 20 in the RPI. They got a chance for two more wins this weekend. Eric Walker was really good last night. Cole Henry is back and is throwing this weekend, and oh wow, LSU is making a little bit of mo- a move in late May. Shocker, right? Do you I feel think like they I've host seen you- that
2: movie before?
3: I guess if they host, that's kind of a reflection of how weak the back <clears throat> part of the field is because they're not that good. It doesn't feel like they are, does it? They're not very good,
1: and yet here we are. Eric Walker last night, six innings. Only one earned run. Five strikeouts in the game. Todd Peterson's pitching better as of late. We'll see what happens over the uh, final couple of games of that series. Pretty important for Auburn to get at least one more win, right? To get to 14 in the league? I mean, Auburn's in an okay spot from an RPI standpoint. They're at number 21. But right now they've only got 13 league wins.
2: Sort of of where where Kentucky was last year. Just yes. You need conference wins.
1: It's not a good place to be, is it? No. Florida gets a 5-4 win over Missouri. Nearly had a fight in that ballgame. Benches cleared. Cooler heads prevailed. No fight. Gators hold on. They win it 5-4. Florida's now 31-23 and overall. That's what happened last night in the SEC. We'll turn the page to some football news when we come back in the Renaissance Bank Studio.
2: Now, back to Sports Talk Mississippi. Say that again.
3: Please
2: say. Now, back to Sports Talk Mississippi. Sorry. Poorly timed joke,
3: completely inappropriate.
0: <laughs> On Super Talk
3: Mississippi.
1: Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming online at supertalk.fm. C Spire text line open to you this afternoon, 601-879-4395. Get an unbelievable offer on the new Google Pixel 3A now at C Spire. For a limited time, get a Pixel 3A on them with trade-in. Smarter tech, happier customers. Learn more at cspire.com. C Spire, customer inspired. Sports Talk brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank online, MSLandBank.com. If you're in North Mississippi and you've got land financing needs, well, Mississippi Land Bank can help. They've been financing land and all that goes with it for over 100 years. So if you're in the market for new land as a farmer, maybe you've got equipment needs, maybe you need to buy... um, Uh, Production loans, not buy production loans. You need to get a loan to cover your crops, your production needs. Mississippi Land Bank can help with that. And if you're building a house in the country in North Mississippi, Mississippi Land Bank is your answer. MSLandBank.com, where they know the lay of the land. Mississippi State now has a new quarterback on the roster, and his name is Tommy. Tommy Stevens, six foot, five inch dual threat quarterback from Indianapolis. Trace McSorley's backup at Penn State was supposed to be in line to start 2019. A nagging foot injury and surgery, subsequent surgery, opened the door for others to win the job. James Franklin would not commit to Tommy Stevens being the starter. Entering the fall, he said it would be a competition, and Tommy Stevens said, Later, boys. And he is headed to Starkville to go play for his former. Offensive coordinator, Joe Moorhead Who of course now is the head coach At uh, at Mississippi State um, Hey Dad, I guess some of the details Maybe going into this And what led to Tommy Stevens Deciding to transfer Would be an important place to start What do you know?
2: Just sort of what you read right there—that you know, had he not gotten injured, it seems pretty obvious he would have been the starting quarterback at Penn State. But I guess Clifford was impressive enough in the spring that Franklin wanted to open it up. And uh, Stevens, you know, as you read the uh, the comments here from his father, you know, he wants to play in the NFL. He feels like every day from here on out is an audition from the NFL. You know, he didn't he didn't want to take a risk that he might get beat out at Penn State and not have that chance, and he feels like he's got an opportunity to be the starting quarterback at Mississippi State. I think he has a fantastic opportunity to be the starting quarterback at Mississippi State. It's a system he's going to have some familiarity with. He's got some decent pieces, especially in the backfield, but at the receiver position, you know, he's going to have to see if those guys are, if they were held back by Nick Fitzgerald or if they're just not any good. So we'll see how the State's receivers uh, react to him coming on board, and obviously he has a great defense behind him. So We'll see what happens with Stevens, but I can't think at the very least that State got better at the quarterback position today. Um, I agree with you. I
1: mean, it feels like that bringing somebody in to a quarterback competition that nobody separated themselves in is a good thing. Is there any concern about a guy who said, "You know what? I don't want to compete for the job. I want to be a starter." Every snap I take from here on out is an audition from the NFL. He obviously believes that he is going to be the starter at Mississippi State. Now, was he told that? Was that insinuated? Or does he just have an unbelievable amount of confidence based on what the roster looks like going in?
2: My guess is, and it's just a guess because I wasn't in the room for any meetings, obviously, but you know, I don't think Joe Moorhead would promise anybody a starting spot. I don't think he would just come out and say, yes, you're going to be the starter come hell or high water. But I do think that he would tell him, look, based on what I have down here, if you come in and and you do the right things, you're going to be the starting quarterback for this football team. Um, We've talked about it a few times before, that just the actions of last season, the way Fitzgerald would struggle at times and they would never make a move to replace him with Keeton Thompson. And then Keeton's own performance this past spring was not very uh, inspiring. I, I just don't believe that Morehead has a ton of faith in Keaton Thompson to be the guy. And then the two guys backing him up are a redshirt freshman and a true, true freshman. So you, you need to you need it to to get a little more, you know, veteran presence and at the end of the day, you know, I think there'll still be a competition, you know, and if Keaton comes out in the fall and is just lights out, you you, know, you could see him reclaim this job, but right now if you said Brian put your money on somebody, Tommy Stevens is going to be the guy taking snaps when states in the Superdome on August 31st. Um. Wonder if you know all we have
1: is the fact that James Franklin wouldn't name a starter, and the expectation was that Tommy Stevens was going to be the starter. If not for the injuries that he was dealing with, um, Sean Clifford, a redshirt sophomore, uh, kind of took over maybe that role in the in the spring at Penn State, and that's why uh, James Franklin wouldn't name Tommy Stevens as the starter. Do you think Stevens had an indication or believed that he wasn't going to win the job, regardless of how well he performed? I mean, otherwise, why why do you pack up and leave a place like Penn State going into your last year?
2: Well, I mean, I don't know that I don't know the answer to that. But at the same time, you know, this this is the this is the grad transfer era of college football. This is where you know it's it's not it's not just Tommy Stevens. There are players who have been at schools for four and five years and. They just decide they want a change of scenery for whatever reason. So I mean, it's it's not it's not like I'm surprised by it. It happens. Um, yeah. My my guess is that I mean, and of course we only know what we're being told, what's on the surface. There could have you know promises could have been made that have been broken up at Penn State for all that we know. So I mean, at the oh, end wait, of the maybe, day, may,
1: you mean maybe James Franklin isn't the best guy on the planet?
2: Hey I man, I'm not. I'm not. I, I think James Franklin's one of the best coaches on the planet. I'll say that. Um, But that said,
3: I think that, uh,
2: you know, I think Stevens found a situation where he felt comfortable, not only in terms of his ability to win the job, but his ability to quickly grasp the offense. He's not coming into a system he's not familiar with. He's coming into a system that he's played in, practiced in, and has the familiarity with that he should be able to quickly pick things up. And then it's just going to be a matter of that fall camp, and I guess this summer as well, obviously, you know, working out away from the coaches. To, uh, to get that chemistry going with his, his offensive uh, teammates.
0: You didn't say that with a straight face, did you? Which part? The working out away from the coaches thing? Well, I mean, you know, technically. Yeah. Technically, they're not in the same place, but the coaches yeah. know every there, there's step There's a that reason
2: they the, uh, the, the head football coach's office at uh, the SEAL building out, looks out onto the practice.
0: Students. Well, you're saying that they actually see what's going on? No, they can't I'm do just, that. I'm just saying, boss. <laughs> um.
1: There's not exactly a sample size of numbers to know what you're getting. In 2016, Tommy Stevens was 2 of 3 for 36 yards. In 2017, percent
2: Richard. I mean, that's a big jump.
1: In 2017, he was 14 of 27, and his completion percentage dropped by 15 points. If we're going to do that game. 14 of 27, 158 yards, 3 TDs, and last year 8 of 11 for 110 yards, a touchdown, and an interception.
2: He can now, do scoot same, a little bit, too, for a big Do the same guy. thing with Keaton Thompson's numbers. And tell me, is he even over 50% passing? Oh, no, no, I'm, I, we're not.
1: I, come on, the sample size is way too small to look at completion percentages mattering. I'm just saying right. you haven't seen much of the guy
2: on the field. Haven't seen much of the guy on the field, but we have to assume that in two years of working with him, Joe Moorhead saw a lot of him on the practice field and in the film room to understand what he's getting into. I don't think Mo- – Moorhead would just move oh, yeah, forward I- with Keeton if, if he didn't feel like this was going to be an upgrade. I, I really believe that.
1: What does this mean for Keeton Thompson?
2: That's the question everybody's asking today. Um, the thing to remember with Keeton is he does still have a redshirt year available. Now, would he want to do that? I don't know. Would he want to go the Kelly Bryant route and you know sort of see what happens in the first four games and then maybe transfer out at that point? If you do that, you're sort of you know giving up your redshirt year because I don't think you can be. I don't think he would be a grad transfer, but at the same time, in this day and age of NCAA football, he might just get an eligibility you know automatic anyway, the same way Tate Martell did. Um, but I, I I would be surprised if he stayed at this point because I think it, the writing's on the wall a little bit for him. I don't I don't I just don't see him being the quarterback for this team, but at the same time, you know, I don't know him well enough to tell you he might embrace the competition and try to go out there and win the job and if he doesn't win it, okay, I'll take a redshirt year and I'll come back in 2020 and see what happens. It, again, if I if, you know, if we're, if we're putting odds on something, I think the odds are probably pretty good that he'll he'll look around and try to find a spot to transfer to, but at the same time, I wouldn't be completely surprised if he stayed.
1: Uh, let's see career numbers for Keaton Thompson. I don't have it broken down exactly that way. Um Played ten good. games, yeah. Played in ten games as a true freshman, including starting the uh, the Tax Slayer Bowl, uh, and led Mississippi State to a win against uh, against Louisville. Uh, did not play nearly as much last season. And to your point, I mean, basically, he's a fifty percent passer, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. People remember the Tax Slayer Bowl so fondly, but. You know, as well and he, he had a good game in the game, but he, he didn't he was eleven of twenty-one passing. He ran the ball effectively, but he basically gave you the same performance Nick Fitzgerald would. You won the game because the defense picked off Lamar Jackson four times.
1: Keaton Thompson had the one start in the opener last year. He was eighteen of thirty-nine for the season for four hundred fifty-eight yards, six touchdowns and one interception. He completed forty-six percent of his passes and on the ground rushed it twenty-four times for two hundred and twenty-six yards and four touchdowns. So the questions going forward, will Keaton Thompson stay at Mississippi State? Is Tommy Stevens going to be the starter? We don't know. We don't know the answer to either of those questions, but we do know Mississippi State's got a new quarterback on the roster, Tommy Stevens, the graduate transfer from Penn State, three years playing there. He is reunited with Joe Moorhead. More coming up with you in the Renaissance Bank studio. Renaissance Bank, understanding you.